there, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. Today, I'm going to talk about Christmas. What business does a Jew have talking about Christmas? Well, a lot, because I am an American and Christmas is a national holiday after all. So I do want to dispel what may be a common myth about how people who are Jewish feel about Christmas. The truth is there is no one way that Jewish people feel about Christmas. For some people, December 25th is just another day on the calendar. It makes no difference one way or the other. Some Jews obviously have a big problem with it and probably lead the charge for people saying happy holidays. And then there are some Jews like myself who love all of the stuff that goes around during Christmas time. The lights, the peppermint flavored things, or eggnog flavored things at Starbucks and coffee bean, and the way that people treat each other, the music, there's an air during Christmas time of positivity and goodness. There's no one way that Jews feel about Christmas. Consequently, there are also different opinions on the war on Christmas. Now, I don't know that there's a war on Christmas, but I'm not Christian, so I probably perceive it differently than people who are Christian do. However, I do have some problems with the people who try to minimize Christmas, especially the people who use the term happy holidays, especially offices that have holiday parties. And here's my main issue with it. So like at an office holiday party, for instance, it's a holiday party, right? It's definitely not a Christmas party, but all of the decorations or little Christmas trees or lights and the same thing happens at stores. They may decorate on their windows, you know, happy holidays, but it's sometimes it's just wintry and snowflakes, but often there's still tree baubles and Santas and reindeer. Give me a break. If you're going to say happy holidays, then be a little bit more inclusive. But if you're going to say happy holidays and then just have Christmas stuff, then just admit that the holiday that you're celebrating is Christmas. And that's fine. You're allowed to celebrate Christmas. Someone else is celebrating Christmas does not diminish or encroach upon my celebrating of Hanukkah. It only encroaches upon my celebration of Hanukkah if I don't understand what Hanukkah is and compare it to Christmas and don't celebrate Hanukkah for its specialness. Yes, if one is comparing Hanukkah to Christmas, Christmas might win out in terms of people getting together and having fun and having kids participate, you know, sitting on Santa's lap and all of that. But Christmas is allowed to be its own thing. So I'm not personally a fan of happy holidays. If I go into a store and I purchase something and as I'm leaving, the checker says, Merry Christmas, all that they are doing is making a quick judgment based on the knowledge that a majority of people celebrate Christmas in some form or another, because a lot of people don't celebrate it from a religious perspective, but still celebrate it with family and with friends. So all they're doing is making a snap judgment that I probably fall into that majority and I can be a good civilized person and either say, same to you, or I can say happy holidays and I can move on. I don't need to be pointed about it. I don't need to start yelling and screaming and say, excuse me, how dare you assume that I celebrate Christmas? Because that's an uncharitable and uncivilized thing to do to a stranger who's making a judgment. And they're making a kind, maybe not a kind judgment, but a kind gesture based off of their snap judgment. It could certainly be worse, someone making a snap judgment and then acting unkindly. But as a stranger, acting kindly. And as a human, I would rather respond positively. Also as a Jew, I think it reflects much more positively 
on Jews to be chill and not to get up in the face. Or by the way, anyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas, anyone who's an adult, if we don't celebrate Christmas, but someone wishes us Merry Christmas, the adult and kind thing to do is to say Merry Christmas back and go along our merry way. There's no need to get angry or upset. It makes us look bad, right? It just makes us look inhospitable and quick to anger. And what's the point? It's a, a stranger at a store that you're never going to see again. Now, if it's someone at work who is asking you about your Christmas plans, then you have the time for a conversation to say, oh, actually, we don't celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Hanukkah. And I'm sure that that coworker will then just change the questions to, oh, how do you celebrate Hanukkah? Or you can say, I don't celebrate anything. And I'm sure then the questions will change to, oh, so what are you doing on your winter break? People can adapt if we give them like two seconds of kindness. But when we just get angry at people for not knowing something about us that they couldn't be expected to know, we look crazy. So that's how I feel about happy holidays. Unless people just mean there are a lot of holidays. So I do mean Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's. Fine, say happy holidays. There's that old song, happy holiday. I think it's Bing Crosby. So it's not like it's a new term. I think happy holiday is fine. The only question is one's intent. If one is saying it to be super PC or because you're worried about what people are going to, if people are going to snap at you, if you say Merry Christmas, be bold, be strong, say Merry Christmas and don't give in to the PC ridiculousness. But if you just prefer happy holidays because it's all encompassing and it's easier, that's fine. But please don't worry about saying Merry Christmas to a Jew. Hopefully you'll meet a sane Jew or other Buddhist Hindu, Muslim, whatever, who will just let it roll off their back, understand that you're a stranger, and move on with their day. Uh, so that's how I feel about happy holidays. I never believed in Santa Claus, for obvious reasons. I don't, didn't and don't celebrate Christmas. I did once, apparently, sit on Santa's lap when I was about five at a mall. I guess I saw all the other kids doing it, so I asked my parents if I could. They said sure, so I went on and sat on Santa's lap, and apparently Santa asked what I wanted for Christmas. Then my mother said, oh, we don't celebrate Christmas, we're Jewish, at which point I guess the Santa gave her a weird look. I don't even remember the incident, so if my mom hadn't said anything, I don't think it would have damaged my connection to my faith. I imagine that I didn't even know that it was Santa. I just knew that this looks like a fun thing. All the other kids are doing it, so I want to do it. I don't think it's wrong for my parents to have let me, but if they also had said, no, we don't go sit on Santa's lap because we're Jewish, like I said, I don't remember the incident either way, so I don't think it would have made much of a difference. But I didn't believe in Santa. This is something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time because Dennis Prager mentions it on his show every year, and he has people call in talking about believing in Santa Claus. He thinks it's good for kids to believe in Santa Claus and then people call in, some agreeing, some disagreeing. And something that has struck me is both the kids who've responded this way and the adults talking about their parents. Well, mostly the kids who say, oh, I, I used to believe in Santa Claus, but once I found out that Santa wasn't real, I stopped trusting my parents. I didn't trust religion anymore. I didn't believe in Jesus. Like, they became totally disillusioned, and they felt like their parents lied to them. And then there are parents who say along the same lines that they don't do Santa with their kids because they don't want to lie to their children. It's always been so interesting to me that that's considered a lie. As I said, I didn't believe in Santa Claus, but I did believe in the Tooth Fairy. And I also thought that the Disney characters that I 
saw in movies were real. And when I went to Disneyland and met those characters, I thought they were real. I don't remember some grand moment finding out they weren't real. I think at some point I just figured it out. I, I truly don't remember, but obviously at some point I realized they weren't real anymore, but I didn't stop trusting my parents because they had once told me that the tooth fairy was real. I didn't stop believing in religion. Now it could be that Santa is so much more, like there's so much more myth around Santa, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You get presents if you're good and coal if you're bad. You leave out milk and cookies for him. And I know parents go to great lengths to pretend that Santa's real. I didn't actually know this until recently when I was talking to co-workers, but they would explain how they found out that Santa wasn't real when they realized that they had presents from their parents and Santa in the same wrapping paper or with the same handwriting. And of course, some parents dress up as Santa and, you know, maybe they eat some of the cookies and drink some of the milk. So parents go to great lengths to make Santa real. So maybe it is more disillusioning to realize that Santa isn't real, but it seems to me that perhaps there are more issues in families where a child can become so disillusioned as to not trust parents or religion anymore once they find out Santa isn't real. I've just always found it so interesting because I used to work at Disneyland and kids would come and meet Mickey Mouse and Buzz Lightyear. And, you know, we talked to the kids like they were real people. There's only one Mickey Mouse. If you saw Mickey Mouse here, but you just saw him two minutes ago somewhere else, well, that's because he can move really fast or he has special mouse holes all over the park. It wasn't lying. It's pretending and using imagination. If people can't see the difference between those two things, I think that's worrying. It's at least sad. I mean, even adults pretend. Anyway, so I've always wondered about that. It's an experience I don't have, so maybe I can't grasp it fully, but it's always interested me and I've always wanted to talk about, and now I have my own platform, so now I get to talk about it. What other Christmas things? Ooh, Baby It's Cold Outside. Love that song. Apparently I'm, what, an anti-feminist for loving that song? So I've known for a long time that that song, in the movie where it debuted, it's called Neptune's Daughter, that song is sung twice. One of the versions is, as we think of it, with the woman saying, I really can't stay, and then the man trying to get her to stay. And then there's another scene where the, the roles are reversed, and it's a woman trying to get the man to stay. So the idea that this song is sexist or inappropriate in any way, I always thought was not understanding of the song, because in its at its genesis, it was played in two different ways. But I looked into it, and I learned even more about it. It turns out that the song was written by Frank Lesser, who also did Guys and Dolls and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. So he's a great composer on Broadway. And he wrote this song to perform with his wife when they used to go to parties at people's houses, because this was the late 1940s. It used to be when people would hang out together, they would perform for each other. If you've ever watched The Dick Van Dyke Show, for instance, they're they have house parties and someone will get up and do, you know, like a little comedy special or someone will head to the piano and everyone will sing. So that was the world Frank Lesser was in, especially him because he was a composer. So he wrote this song for him and his wife to perform together and they performed it apparently all the time and people loved it. Eventually he sold it for the movie and then once it was in the movie, it's been recorded probably hundreds of times. And recently, in the past 10, 15 years, it's come under attack because of the lyrics. And I've always thought that to attack that song because of the lyrics and to think that the woman is being persuaded is actually to take all of the power away from 
the woman in the song, because it's so clear that the woman in the song is playing along and that she's messing with the guy just as much as he is messing with her. They're flirting, right? The whole song is just a big flirt. He wants her to stay. She wants to also, but she's playing with him. And also, yeah, she knows that people will probably say not so nice things about her because the song was written in 1949. And you know what? The cultural mores were different. And a woman sleeping at a man's house who wasn't her husband. By the way, a man sleeping at a woman's house who wasn't his wife. He was also suspect. It's not like men were just allowed to sleep around and women. It was worse for women, but it wasn't too great for men either to be perceived that way. In the right circles. In the wrong circles, sure. In the wrong circles today, too. Men who sleep around are clapped on the back and women are called sluts. But people who have morals think that anyone who sleeps around are sluts, for lack of a better word. But it's so clear that that's not what's happening in this song. That it's two people who are in love and they want to stay together for the night. The man's pushing it and the woman wants it, but she has to pretend that she doesn't because she doesn't want to be talked about badly. Also, because if you are a woman listening to this, have you never teased a man? Not strung him along, but like, you tease. You flirt. It's normal. It's healthy. There's nothing wrong with this song. And to say that this woman was being that it's date rape is totally taking away the fact that a woman can actually play along with a man. Like, women aren't always victims. A woman has just as much ability to flirt and tease and play along as Amanda. So why should we assume that the woman is the victim here? It's always bothered me that people assume the woman is the victim. And to bolster my case, I just learned a little bit more about what some of those lyrics might have meant in context, specifically that line, what's in this drink, because people take that to mean that he's, you know, put a roofie in it or something. But again, this is, this was written in the 1940s and you do have to appreciate everything, but definitely culture and pop culture in the time that it came from. Like, there are songs from the 60s where people talk about spending their last dime on a payphone call, which doesn't mean a lot to us now, but at the time, meant a lot. So, pop culture sometimes really stuck in the time. And even though this song has been recorded since, that lyric, what's in this drink, isn't referring to a roofie. It's it's exactly what you think it is, which is, oh, this drink is alcohol and I know I shouldn't, so I'm about to blame it on the alcohol. Right? They're blaming it on the alcohol. They're saying, what's in this drink? It's just, it's a joke. It's a line. So that's, that's what that line meant. It was just commonly, it was something people commonly said when they were about to do something and wanted to blame it on alcohol so they could pretend, oh, I don't know what's in this drink and then drink it and then, you know, go dance on a table or do something else silly or maybe kiss someone that they shouldn't have kissed because, oh, I didn't know it was alcohol. That's the point. She's making a joke on herself. She's not actually asking if she's about to be roofied. Also, remember that she says, I ought to say no, not like a strict straight on no, because I understand part of the criticism is, oh, she keeps on saying no. And again, back to the teasing thing, she's joking, but also she ought to say no, because she knows what is expected of her as a woman and as a human and how, you know, sex or even just sleeping over or petting whatever people did, not something to be taken lightly or just done for fun. So she knows she ought to say no, but She's not really saying no. So final judgment, listen to the song. It's so cute. And stop taking things so seriously, people. In the same vein of stop taking things so seriously, people, how about the people who have a problem with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? It seems ridiculous when you hear me say it, and yet it's true. There are people who have a problem with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is the argument as I understand it. The other reindeer 
made fun of Rudolph for how he looked. But once they realized that he had marketable value, then they were nice to him. But we shouldn't be nice to people just because they have marketable value. We should be nice to them for who they are. So Rudolph is a problem. I wish I could remember where I read that argument. I feel like it was probably on Tumblr or Instagram or some other social media platform. I can't remember. But I do know that it's ridiculous for people to be upset about a song that is about a flying reindeer with a red nose that lights up. I mean, seriously, people? It's a cute little song and a cute little movie. But if people are going to dig into it, then let's dig into what it actually means. The other reindeer were unkind to Rudolph for how he looked, and then they became kind to Rudolph and overlooked his outward appearance because they recognized who he was inside, which was a leader, right? And someone who was helpful. That's the lesson that we shouldn't judge people for their looks, but for who they are, not what value they add. I think it was some anti-capitalist BS or something. I mean, that's what the argument was, but that's not what the song's about. It's about don't look at people's appearances, look deeper. And that's if one wants to find a moral lesson in Rudolph, instead of just enjoying a cute little song about an adorable little reindeer with a blinking red nose, then that's the lesson to find. Don't judge people based on appearances, but on what's inside. Christmas is a beautiful season. People get along with each other, somehow seem to drop other differences, politics, and, and everything else, and just appreciate the, the beauty of the season. Schools are out. A lot of businesses are closed. There are pretty lights. There's yummy food. It's cozy and warm at home. There is also the religious aspect of it, and I am not going to pretend to understand all of that, but I do know that peace and goodwill to men, which of course means humans, it doesn't literally mean men for the SJWs among us, and those are things that we can all support, whether we celebrate Christmas from a religious standpoint or a non-religious standpoint or don't celebrate it at all, we can understand that this is a beautiful season with themes of generosity and giving and the idea of goodness coming into the world. And we can all use a little bit more of that, don't you think? Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day!